this, this is like an airline, you know, you got the, the side seats, the middle seats, and almost everyone's got their own seat. Hi, I'm Tom. This is Lisa. We're from Calvary Baptist. I know you. And uh, uh, by the way, Lisa's got a book for you. So. And, and so uh, we're with Calvary Baptist and Heavy Deep and Real Ministries. We're here on the second, or no, the third and fourth Sundays. Used to be second Fridays. Eventually, I think we'll get back to that. We'll see. Uh, let's open in prayer. And then I got a message for you. Who knows what will happen? Because I don't know what's going to happen. I got notes, but you know me. I never follow them. So uh, let's just talk to God a little bit. Father, we just thank you for everything. Yeah, just... Uh, uh, a great day, a great summer that we're having here. Be with the firefighters, Lord, that are out there in all the different places uh, doing their thing, trying to keep us safe. Um, uh, be with everyone here. Lord, search their hearts for whatever their need is. Uh, may something that you say tonight hit them in a way that is meaningful and helpful to them. Uh, Lord, bless all these ladies here. Uh, be just a, a light to their path, no matter which path they're on and where they're going. And just draw them closer to you as we uh, study your word a little bit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So I, I used to be in business. And one of the lines we used to have when we talked about business stuff as leaders is change or die. In business, you change or die. You've got to keep up with your competition. You ever notice if you watch like commercials, McDonald's will do something and then Burger King comes and then Wendy's. And they're all, and then Carl's Jr. And they're all like every other week they come up with something new. And that new thing can be, well, we added a certain sauce to this now. It's like... <laughs> But they're always changing. They're always innovating. They're always trying to move forward. And it presses the competition to keep doing things. It's just a, a thing about business, change or die. Because if you stay the same and everyone else is changing, you'll get left behind. Well, there's another thing about, about business, though, that, that's a truism, too, is sometimes you get really comfortable where you're at. You know, Kentucky Fried Chicken has had the same Kentucky Fried Chicken since... It was Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> I don't think they've changed the recipe since the real Colonel, not the fake ones on TV. I hate those guys. But the real Colonel was doing his thing. So he just plateaued and do things. Now, you know, every once in a while they come out with a new biscuit or something. Or, uh, but some plateau. And they're always the same. And if you got a good product, great. You know, you can just, you can plateau. Well, in our faith, the, the same is true. I'm a, I'm a believer that you change or die. You, you, you got to transform. You got to keep moving and to, to work toward the goal. And the goal is to become like Christ. We'll never get there, but we're always trying to strive to that. But there are Christians, and you probably know them, and maybe you're one of them, um, that plateaus. You know, you just like Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> you just, you're just going to be this kind of Christian. Um, and I'll be honest with you, in the church, you know, the, the mainline churches, Baptist or my church, I get a lot of less. You know why? It's comfortable. It's comfortable being here. You've been doing the same thing for however many years. Uh, it's a routine. Uh, even if you're dysfunctional in your routine, it's com you're comfortable in your routine. You're, com you're comfortable in your dysfunction. And that's really not what scripture calls us to, but I get it because there's, there's a hard thing in your mind to, to change. No one likes change. I had, a, I had a, <laughs> a boss that once said, the only thing that likes change is a baby. <laughs> Wow, thanks for the visual, boss. Um, nobody likes to change. And we're called in Scripture, though, to transform. And transforming is not just changing, having a different opinion. It means becoming something completely new. And if you're comfortable where you are, that's really, really, really difficult. Even if your comfort level is dysfunction. Because, let's just be honest, if you've been in dysfunction, I have, many of you have, um, it can be a comfortable place. Because it's scary to try to change. Now, in business, what we tell people is, 
you got to, in order to make an organization change, you got to really convince people to hate where they're at, <laughs> to get them to look at something, a vision and say, no, I want to be there instead. Because this has to be better than this. And what happens in business all the time is you get about halfway there and everyone wants to turn back. Isn't that true in life? You start some change. I don't care if it's a diet on New Year's Eve or, or your faith or whatever it is. You get about halfway there and it gets really hard and you want to turn back. And you'd rather go back to where it was comfortable, even if it was bad, than go to the vision. And so I want to talk tonight about transformation and what scripture says about it, but not just, hello, <laughs> what transformation is, because that's, that's everyone's sermon, right? I want to talk about how to do it. Because scripture has some, some very pointed things about these are the steps you take to actually transform. And so I want to go through that for you. I, I know for me, this is something I've had to go through in life several times. I'm still going through it. And it's a continual process. Uh, Bill Gates, I was reading a quote from him, and he said, he said, vision without execution is daydreaming. Vision without execution is daydreaming. And a lot of us daydream about what our faith could look like or who we want to be. And I take the faith piece out of it for a second. We daydream about who we could be, but we don't get there because we don't execute. So I want to talk about the execution part of transformation tonight, and because everyone kind of knows what that is. So let me start by saying that the, the word transformation in the Greek is uh, metamorpho, and you get metamorphosis from that. Change isn't, this change we're talking about isn't like a puppy growing into a dog. That, that's, that's just growth and change. That's what most of us think transformation is. You just grow. Because the church talks about, you got to grow, right? That's what we're talking about. Transformation is a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. And those are two separately different things, even though they all started out as one thing. It started out as a caterpillar, now it flies. Kind of creepy if you think about it. But that's the kind of change we're talking about, is becoming a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, is what Scripture says. And it's great rhetoric. It's great stuff. But no one ever tells you how. <laughs> And, and so you're like, well, that's great. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But here's your first secret. That kind of transformation, metamorpho, is supernatural. It doesn't come from you. You have a role to play in it, but this is a supernatural, Holy Spirit-driven thing. And so I'm going to just kind of talk a little bit tonight. I got really small letters on my paper, so I may have to use glasses because... <laughs> Lisa's always giving me a hard time. Usually I print it out in 22 point and I have all these pages and then I get my pages mixed up because I don't number them. And then, and then, ho oh, oh. <laughs> ho. I got my, my, my poindexters right here. So let's talk about transformation. It's scary. It's scary. I remember when I was being called by God to transform my life. I was, uh, uh, my first time, it happened a couple times. I was 23 years old. I was in the army. Uh, everything in my life had gone to crap. I was getting kicked out of the army for a medical thing. And I was going to kill myself because it was like my life just sucked. Um, and God kind of entered in. Jesus entered in. And he says, I'm going to give you a do-over in life and let you do some things. But you're going to have to change. And I thought, okay, I'll just change my thinking. Doesn't scripture say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? I'll just change how I think. Eh. <laughs> No, that's just pretending. It's like, it's like sometimes you think, well, I really believe this, but scripture says that. So I'll do what scripture says, but secretly I still believe this, right? 
that's the kind of change of mindset. That, that doesn't work. What God says, no, I need you to, to transform. So I went from a guy that was you know, suffering with abuse and complex post-traumatic stress and all sorts of different things who hated people. I mean, I hated people. Zero trust. Everyone I knew had abused me. Um, people in authority positions, oh my goodness. You know, some people have suicidal ideation. Do you know there's a thing called homicidal ideation? I had that where everyone I saw, I wanted to hurt. I mean, it was just real. I was really sick. I was just like, I'll tell you a funny story. So I got my first job out of college. I was a newspaper editor and the publisher wanted to buy me a drink after work to get to know me. Pretty normal, right? <laughs> yeah, I love the look because that's exactly how I felt. I thought this guy was going to hurt me. I thought this guy was set me up. And I wore this leather jacket. It's 87 degrees out in San Francisco. And I got every weapon taped to it. I'm ready because I am crazy. Cuckoo! And God says, I need you to transform. I need you to trust people and love people and agape and do all that Bible stuff. Well, how do you do that? How do you grow up in nothing but abuse and pain and dysfunction and all of a sudden go, oh, and today I think I'll just love people. That, that, that doesn't happen unless you go through some things, but it's scary. So I asked God when he's saying, Tom, I need you to transform. Like, but who's going to protect me? How do I defend myself? Where, you want me to get rid of my defense mechanisms and let people in? People that have proven untrustworthy over and over and over and over. How, how, how do I do this? What, what's this look like? And basically, I, actually what I said is, are you nuts? And I used an adjective in there too. Um, I just didn't see it. <laughs> Someone got that one. Hey, hey. <laughs> that was just for some people in the crowd. Uh, <laughs> they're like, adjective. Uh. It's scary. The idea of going from one place to another and being completely different in what God calls you to is scary. So what I don't like is when the church comes out and says, hey, just, just give it to God. Right. <laughs> You're like, are you out of your minds? <laughs> Clearly, you've not experienced any kind of life like the rest of us have. Because it's not just give it to God. I get the sentiment, and yeah, I get what Scripture says. But let's be honest and real and talk about how difficult that really is. Because it's not an easy step. So what I found is here's, here's the process. Transformation starts with faith. And I don't mean believing in God. And when, when you think about faith, it's like, oh, I believe. It's believing God is all-powerful. It's that piece. That believing God's not different than us, he's not like us, he's other than us, and he's all-powerful. Because if you can believe God is all-powerful, then you can believe in miracles. You can believe he can do anything he wants. But if you don't believe God's all-powerful, then you don't believe he can change you. And if you don't have that kind of faith, it'll never happen. Jesus tried to do miracles in his hometown. He couldn't do any. He says that they don't have any faith. I can't really. What didn't they have faith in? That there was a God? No, they all believed in God. They didn't have faith that, one, he was the son of God. And they didn't have faith that he was powerful to do it. So I found that the first thing I had to do is when I was having my conversations with, with Jesus and I was rolling with him, you know, we're wrestling together, is I actually had to believe he was powerful enough to overcome me. Now that sounds stupid, doesn't it? But aren't we all the center of our own universe? Aren't we all the center of our universe? Yeah, Because that's all we know. We, we are what we are. And sometimes we think that our problems are too big or our, our history is too rough 
or our experiences are, are, are too painful to overcome. And I would tell you, in your own power, you're right. In my own power, I couldn't do it. There's, there's, no, there's no way. So I had to get in my head, okay, if Jesus is who he says he is, and I believe that, then I have to buy into the concept he can do anything he wants. Anything. That's the first step. That's, that's, that's healing faith. That's healing faith. So the faith piece is important. But here's the second part. You have to have desire. And this is where I said, remember where I said some people will get really comfortable where they're at? They don't have a desire really to leave. I remember when I was crying out to God all my years, I would keep one foot here planted in my dysfunction and one foot crying out to God and wonder why he didn't answer. <laughs> He's like, move to the other foot. No, you move first. <laughs> I didn't want to move that foot. I liked that foot. That foot was comfortable. That foot was safe. That foot kept me alive. That, that, that foot made me survive. And this foot was just kind of testing the water to see if, is there really God? Is he really going to answer me? Right? We're, play, we're playing. We're playing church. We're not really doing it. I didn't have the desire to change. But it's like in business. One of the things as a, as a leader you have to do to uh, your, your, your troops out there if you want to change. Let's say I want to I change a product or I want to change a culture or whatever. I have to convince them that where we're at is untenable. We can't stay here. And I have to take a long time to convince them, this sucks. Every day when you come to work, this sucks. We need to move here. And I got to beat that into them through various methodologies to the point where they go, yeah, let's move. And I'm like, good idea, guys. <laughs> Make them think it was their idea. And then we move. Right? Well, you have to do that to yourself sometimes. You have to say, where I'm at, it's not good. It's not where I want to be. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to act this way. I don't want to respond this way. I don't want to live this way. And scripture tells us we don't have to live that way. Scripture tells us that. But it starts with us saying, I don't want this. I want that. And really hating this. Because scripture says, if, you're, if you love the world, it's enmity toward God. And most of what's in this place that we're comfortable in is worldly stuff. It's just worldly desire stuff. And so we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you got to have faith that God can do whatever he wants to. And you have the desire to not be here, but to be there. And to get from here to there is tough. It is a big step out of the boat. It is trusting that you're going to walk on water. You're trusting a miracle is going to happen. How many have trust issues? Yeah, me. How many project that on God? Woohoo! yay. Right? So what God asks us to do for transformation is do the two things we stink at. Right? Have faith that God can do anything he wants because we've not seen God sometimes in our life. We're like, where was God when this happened? And two, trust that he's got our best interests at heart and he's going to do the right thing for us. <laughs> That's how, why transformation is so hard. Because it cuts against our natural flesh reaction to our lives. But there's more. Then you've got to submit to it. This part, I rolled, I wrestled with God so much. Still do a little bit. You got to submit to the idea that, okay, Lord, whatever you choose to do, I'm okay with. Now, did that scare you just thinking about that in your own life? Whatever you choose, God, for me is okay. What if he chooses something you don't like? What if he, what is that going to look like? Isn't it scary to think about the unknown? 
But this is where you get in, you have to believe what God says. He says he has your best interest at heart. He's going to create you to be the person you were supposed to be, not the person we are. So for 40 years, I spent my time in business and doing what I did and, you know, kind of just living most of the time, just kind of my life, like everybody else, like a nominal Christian, trying hard to go along the path. And then I had to do this. I had to submit to this idea that, God, you, you do with me whatever you're going to do. I'm okay now. Now, my army experience was I was 23 years old. I didn't really submit to allowing him to do whatever he would to me until I was 40. So what was I doing during those 13 years or 17 years? I went to public school. <laughs> Anybody got any fingers I can borrow? <laughs> I was fighting God. I was wrestling with him on it. There were things I didn't want to do. I was comfortable in some places. I didn't want to change. I didn't want to transform. I didn't want to become a new thing. I was scared of the new thing. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't trust God was going to make it something I would like. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I got first got into ministry in my 40, when I was 40. I told God, okay, I'll do anything you want, but not homeless and not, um, not prison ministries. Because I had been homeless as a kid a bunch of times and as an adult, and I had, had to go visit my dad in jail a bunch. I didn't like that stuff. It was too triggering. You know the first two things he had me do? <laughs> tell, you want to make God laugh to tell him your plans. He put me right into the, into the fire. He says, I'm going to, I'm, you're going to transform. You're going to love people. You're going to trust people. You're going to do things you've never done before. You're going to be a new creation. You're not going to be Tom with a changed attitude. <laughs> I don't like that Tom. I want the Tom I created you to be. And that's different. It's a transformation from this Tom. The worldly Tom has to go away. The spiritual Tom has to come. Wow, that's hard. And I, and I just don't want to lie to you about, about the, the journey took me 17 years of a journey to get to a place where I would finally submit to it, even though I agreed about the faith and the desire piece when I was 23. So don't feel as if you're in the middle of your journey like you failed, because you haven't. God knows. And he's willing to wrestle with you as long as you want to wrestle with him to get to a place where you finally go, okay, I'll tap. And that's okay. So long as you're wrestling, what I don't ever want to see anybody do is stop wrestling with God over it because then you've given up. That's when you get halfway to the vision, right? Remember I said, go from here to there. You get halfway, you turn back. When you stop wrestling with God about it, you turn back. Is your hand up or are you just comfortable? Oh, no, I was just going to ask you my Okay, because I was so excited someone's going to ask a question. Oh, my gosh. My time to shine, but nothing. Okay. Well, according to Carl Sagan, billions upon billions upon, you know who Carl Sagan is? You're made too young. <laughs> Carl Sagan was this astronomer guy that wrote a bunch of books, and he had a show, and they asked him that, how many stars in the sky? And he said, billions upon billions upon billions. <laughs> if you're old like me, you'll, you know it, you know it, right? Come on now. So, love. She's about my age. I think it was exactly as many as God put up there. Well, good answer. Oh, that is a good answer. Yeah. That's right. So let's talk about this love thing. <laughs> this agape, this agape love thing. Unconditional love 
it's not a wet sloppy kiss it's it's unconditional care about other people because everybody you look at in the eye is made in god's image now that doesn't mean you don't have boundaries with people because people are stupid you know scripture says this is an evil generation right it, 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 I love scripture. It says, come let us reason together. It doesn't say, hey, leave your brain at the door. <laughs> it, 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 it wants you to be smart. Be as wise as serpents, it says, but as gentle as doves. You're supposed to think through things. So every time we talk about love, it's not like just be unconditional about it and let people run over you. That's not what this is about. But love is a key to transformation. And here's why. You can't have humility unless you love other people. You can't sacrifice unless you love other people. You can't be selfless unless you love other people and put them first. You can't forgive unless you love other people. Those are impossibilities. And the thing about agape is, again, it's supernatural. We, I don't think we have in our fallen state this idea of agape for each other. I think we have um, mutual interests and we use each other, right? One of the things I tell people is you're only useful when you're useful. You know what I mean? People love you when you're useful, but the second you stop being useful to them, they stop calling, right? That's not our faith. Our faith, yeah. our faith is to care about everybody and to sacrifice and be selfless and do all these things. Now, I love this piece of scripture. In Luke, it says this, Luke 6. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do that. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is to you? Even the sinners do that. You know, everyone loves it when someone loves them. And this is the scene where he says, oh, you gotta love your enemies. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Why would I do that? And in his culture, that was really a twist because you just never do that in the Jewish culture back then. He's calling us for radical transformation about people. And this is what he had to call me to. This was a very specific thing he called me to was again, because I didn't like people. I didn't, I, you know, I could put my, they said, no man's an island. Trust me, you know, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I wasn't always a pastor, you know, right? <laughs> so, on this love thing, you got to submit to this idea that God will protect you. This is the big thing that I think that I learned, and I hope it hits you. People suck. They are untrustworthy. They betray you. They lie about you. They mock you. They will abuse you. They will use you. People suck. And Jesus experienced every one of that, didn't he? Betrayal and lies and all the rest. Heck, they killed him. But did he ever stop loving him? What he said was, my father protects me. No one takes my life. I give it freely. When you get in your head two ideas, God will protect you. Does that mean you won't have hardship? Oh, no, we're going to have a lot of hardship. Yeah, this, this place is hard. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world but you're protected spiritually, eternally, and otherwise. And there's justice. Anybody who's done you wrong will pay for it. Everyone's going to get what they earned. 
That was important to me because a lot of bad stuff happened and it seemed like people got away with it. They don't. <laughs> they're going to meet Jesus and go, uh-oh, that pastor was right. And then they're going to have that come to Jesus meeting. And that meeting's not going to go well for them because they're going to be held accountable for every word, every action, everything they did and thought and said. And that gave me a lot of hope because it's like, then I don't have to hold people accountable. Then I don't really have to do this. I don't have to do that. I can actually love people without worrying about the consequences because God's got my back. Really? That flipped the switch with me, transformation-wise, where I care deeply for people now. I mean, deeply, deeply for people, where that's just weird to me, even now. It's like, why don't I hate all you? <laughs> why do I trust all you? Why do I work with you? I mean, it just, my brain is like flipped. I am completely different. I'm a butterfly. Okay, yeah. Get my butterfly wings. I'll wear my angel wings. I guess I'm in the church. So you remember Galatians 5? It talked about spiritual fruit, peace, love, joy, patience, all that stuff, right? Um, you can't have that without love. And here's why. If you think about it, most of that is a sacrifice. Let's take, let's take patience. They call it forbearance. Bearing with other people is really hard. <laughs> and if you don't love them agape-wise, you won't bear with them. You will not have contentment, peace, love, and joy if you don't have agape love because you'll always be agitated. Anybody ever always agitated? I have that problem with my PTSD. I'm always agitated. It's right underneath the surface, always. But God, you know, God deadens it for me with that agape. When I preach, it's like, woo, I'm on fire. When I'm not here, <laughs> I'm a little different because I don't have that Holy Spirit thing going on, right? But without agape, I can't have peace, love, joy. I can't have patience, kindness, and goodness without agape. I can't have gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I cannot have the spiritual fruit in Galatians 5, 22, 23 without agape. And this is why love is such an important part of transformation because you can't get to contentment in life without love being part of the transformation. So I think about people who did me wrong. I used to think, man, I've just heard, hope they just rot in hell. Oh, some of you thought that, okay. <laughs> and now knowing what hell really is, I don't want that for my worst enemy. I pray that they find Jesus and they can be transformed, and they can repent and turn from their ways, because I don't want anybody to go there. That's a switch, right? But you can't do that without the Holy Spirit transformational piece of agape. And this is why you got to submit to it. Because in our own flesh, we cannot transform ourselves into agape. We cannot transform ourselves into these things I'm talking about. You can't have the transformation where you can bear with somebody that are really extra grace required people, right? You know the people. You have to have love. And I struggle with it. I mean, I, you know, I, I've had this big transformation. There are days, there are days it's like, oh, right? Everyone backslides a little bit, right? Or is it just me? Oh, it is just me, thanks. Okay, I got one in the front. Woo, I got two. Two people here are with me, okay. You guys are now my best friends. I just want you to know that. 
But let me tell you, as much as you lose, as painful as it is to go through transformation, because think about this caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Wouldn't that be painful, don't you think? <laughs> right? Here's what you gain. You become a light of the world. You become somebody that other people look at and go, something different about you. <laughs> I wanna, what, what is it? What, and then you tell your story and you're like, wow. I mean, Deidre knows, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. She's like, Pow. remember when I first met you? It was like a flashlight. Dee -doo, dee -doo. <laughs> and now she's like, Pow. she's like a glow stick. You become content in all circumstances. You realize that it's not your emotions that flood back and forth. Circumstances change, but you stay even. That's what you get when you have this Holy Spirit transformation. You get a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. You stop being so hard-hearted about things. It takes a lot of energy to be mad. It takes a lot of energy to be hard-hearted. And once you get that heart of flesh that God promises us, man, it takes a lot of pressure off you. Because you realize the, the battle's not yours, the battle's the Lord's. And scripture tells us that the battle is the Lord's, it's not your battle, you don't have to fight it. And when you realize that, when you get that heart of flesh, you just go, oh my gosh, that's so much pressure off me. You get the Holy Spirit that you have in you and it starts to be powerful. You start to actually, actually be able to harness it and do things with it instead of just being told by some pastor, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues you start to be able to feel and, and learn and be, be trained up by the Holy Spirit and be more transformation and he reveals truth to you and all sorts of things happen. It's really weird. You'll be walking down the street and somebody will say something and you'll have a scripture that comes to mind. It's like, I don't even know scripture. Why does scripture come to mind? Because the Holy Spirit is powerful in you. You'll be blessed. Blessed are. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? You'll be blessed. Who doesn't want to be blessed? If you don't, talk to me afterwards. You get your daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And then say, give us this day our weekly bread. Give us this day our monthly bread. You get your daily bread. You get exactly what you need every day. So all your experiences, think about all your experiences in the room. You have survived 100% of them, haven't you? I'm not saying we're rough, but you survived 100%. Chances are good you'll survive 100% of the next ones. God's going to give you your daily bread, which is protection and provision and all the rest of things. You get to abide in Jesus as your strength. You don't have to do it yourself. And this is what I mean. You don't have to live like this. Some of us were lone wolves and we just lived our own code surviving. Jesus says, I want you to have life and have it abundantly. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to survive alone. We got the body of Christ that'll come around you. You can have Jesus who you're abiding in. You can have all of the promises of the Bible and know it's true, but not without transformation. If, if, if you don't have transformation, you may as well read Moby Dick because this won't do anything for you because you'll be fighting it because you're not submitted to it. You don't desire it. You don't have faith in it, right? See, I went back to the beginning. <laughs> Tied that up nicely. I just want to let you know that. And this is the best part for me. Heavenly rewards. Imagine there were no heaven. Imagine if you just died and that was it. What would this world be worth to do that? 
Would anybody want to live this place? I wouldn't. But it's not. We're eternal. We're immortals. And our last breath there is our first breath there. Our last breath here is our first breath there. And guess what? <laughs> Jesus meets us, says, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's take a look at your life. Some good, some bad. Here are your rewards. Rewards? Paul says, run the race to win. It's not a bad thing. You're, you're storing up your treasure in heaven, Jesus said, right? That's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. You should want that. You should fight for it. So when you're thinking, is transformation worth it? Or is this pastor just crazy? I would argue that when you weigh it, cost-benefit analysis, the benefits outweigh the cost exponentially. Because you get to be the person God created you to be instead of the person the world formed you into because of your experiences. So again, just tell you, faith, desire, submission, love. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Pray about it. I know it's scary. But if you're in a place where you're saying, I really want to be the person God created me to be, allow him to change you. And trust that he has your best interests at heart and you will be exactly the person that he wants you to be and you'll be so happy being that person. And then you're just incredibly useful for the kingdom of God, huh? All right, I'm over time. Sorry about that. I will ask that you guys have an awesome week. And we will be back next Sunday with a brand new exciting topic. Who knows what I'll be talking about? So. <laughs> and books. <laughs>